Today's episode is brought to you by Canva. Uh, We're all looking for ways to make an impact at work, but not all of us are skilled in visual design. A Canva helps you get your point across uh, simply and beautifully. It's easy to design Canva presentations, docs, whiteboards, and videos. You start with a designer-made template and customize it with your content. Uh, plus, add graphics, charts, and more from Canva's massive media library. Whatever department you work in, Canva is perfect for any task. Sales decks, hiring docs, marketing brainstorms, employee videos, you name it. Anyone at work can design with Canva. Start designing today at canva.com. Designed for work. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hears from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening. Welcome to Brain Stuff, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, Brain Stuff, Lauren Vogelbaum here. On August 25th of 2012, about 11 billion miles away from the sun, the NASA probe Voyager 1 left the heliosphere, boldly going where no man-made object had gone before. By crossing that boundary, Voyager 1 traveled beyond the solar system and entered interstellar space, a historic first. If you look at the bottom row of a traditional periodic table, you'll find the element that made this cosmic adventure possible, plutonium. First identified in the 1940s, plutonium has been used for both creative and destructive purposes— The late physicist John Goffman once called plutonium the element of the lord of hell. Every atom of plutonium contains 94 protons. On the periodic table, this places it after uranium with its 92 protons and neptunium with 93. 
Uranium was first identified and named after the planet, which was named after the ancient god Uranus, back in 1789. The researchers who identified Neptunium in 1940 followed suit, and later that year, so did Glenn Seaborg and his co-workers at Berkeley Laboratory when they discovered plutonium. Just ten years earlier, astronomers had observed a new dwarf planet near Neptune. To honor the Roman god of the underworld, it was dubbed Pluto. And plutonium derives its name from that heavenly body. Originally, Seaborg and company were able to produce plutonium by using a particle accelerator at Berkeley. With this device, particles called deuterons were fired at a uranium sample. The experiment created a small amount of neptunium, which then became plutonium through a decaying process. But the first weighable plutonium sample was created at the University of Chicago on August 20th of 1942. By that point, some parties had recognized the element's military potential. Okay, let's talk about isotopes. So, atoms of any given element will always have the same number of protons in their nucleus, but the number of neutrons can vary. These variations are called isotopes of an element. After one of uranium's isotopes, uh, uranium-235, was identified as a potential fuel source for nuclear weapons, plutonium entered the conversation, too. Plutonium was the key ingredient in the first atomic bomb explosion on Earth, which took place July 16th of 1945. It was in New Mexico, and it was strong enough to be felt 100 miles or more than 150 kilometers away. It was part of the Manhattan Project's top-secret Trinity nuclear test. And no uranium-based weapons were deployed for the experiment. However, uranium-235 was the fuel in the weapon that the United States used to destroy Hiroshima, Japan, on August 6th of 1945. Plutonium was the fuel in the bomb that destroyed Nagasaki three days later— killing tens of thousands of civilians, fatally injuring many more, and effectively ending World War II and kicking off the Cold War. But beyond its use in weapons, is plutonium dangerous? It is both chemically toxic and emits ionizing radiation, but you'll likely never be exposed to it. It only occurs in trace amounts in nature, when certain types of uranium decay. It could possibly be released into the environment via an industrial plant, but there are many safeguards against this. If you did encounter some, it could burn your skin if you touched it, but the main danger would be from inhaling small particles of it that could get taken up by your system and transferred to your liver and bones, where it might eventually cause cancer. Even though it's a dangerous element, plutonium is far from being the most toxic substance known to man, as activist Ralph Nader once proclaimed. Today, more than one-third of the energy produced at nuclear power plants comes from plutonium. The United States, however, doesn't have any facilities that rely on plutonium for energy. The most common plutonium isotope formed in a nuclear reactor is plutonium-239, which is created by neutron capture from depleted uranium-238. When used for fission, plutonium-239 can have as much energy as enriched uranium-235, which is also used in nuclear weapons. Historically, another plutonium isotope, plutonium-238, was used to power the batteries in some commercial pacemakers. Those medical devices went out of style as lithium-powered alternatives hit the market. But in the final frontier, plutonium remains a valuable commodity. For the article this episode is based on, Hastafork spoke via email with Peter C. Burns, a chemist at the University of Notre Dame. He said, 
The most significant, lesser-known use of plutonium is for power generation during space exploration. Plutonium-238 emits a lot of heat when it undergoes radioactive decay, and this heat can be used in a thermoelectric generator to produce electricity. That's just one quality that makes this isotope very attractive to engineers working for space agencies. There's also its half-life, which is how long it takes for half of the atoms in a given sample to decay and transform into something else. With a respectable half-life of 88 years, plutonium-238 can keep rovers and space probes running for decades on end. Far away from the sun, in places where the star's rays are weak and dim, the solar-powered satellites aren't going to perform that well. And Mars rovers that depend on sunlight, like the now-defunct Opportunity rover, have had to contend with the dust from passing storms that can smother their panels and impede battery function. For these reasons, plutonium-238 is a great fit for both Martian and deep space exploration. So far, plutonium-238 has powered at least 30 U.S. space vehicles. The Perseverance rover that touched down on the Red Planet in February of 2021 has a generator fueled by plutonium-238. So do far-flung spacecrafts like Voyager 1 and Voyager 2, which have been touring the solar system and beyond since 1977. Today's episode is based on the article Radioactive, a Profile of the Element Plutonium on HowStuffWorks.com, written by Mark Mancini. BrainStuff is a production of iHeartRadio in partnership with HowStuffWorks.com and is produced by Tyler Klang. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by Canva. Uh, We're all looking for ways to make an impact at work, but not all of us are skilled in visual design. A Canva helps you get your point across, uh, simply and beautifully. It's easy to design Canva presentations, docs, whiteboards, and videos. You start with a designer-made template and customize it with your content. Uh, plus, add graphics, charts, and more from Canva's massive media library. Whatever department you work in, Canva is perfect for any task. Sales decks, hiring docs, marketing brainstorms, employee videos, you name it. Anyone at work can design with Canva. Start designing today at canva.com. Designed for work.